0: There's so much beauty in the places that we live, right? Um, You know, and, and that will be the things that also make you happy that you're in that experience.
1: Hi, ladies. We are Andrea and Carol coming at you from the International Women's Association in Graz, Austria. We are women supporting women in all stages and seasons of life and from different parts of the world. Our members come from different backgrounds and life experiences and we are excited to share them here with you. For more information, we invite you to check us out on our website at Iwagratz.org Und jetzt los geht's! back listeners. We are so excited that you are here to join us today on our podcast with a very special guest. I am personally thrilled to invite this guest along. Um, Oh my goodness, the stories that we could go into (laughs) about how I know our special guest. Welcome Virginia, Virginia Sheridan from our AWA sister partnership group which I'm so excited that we have this partnership now. Welcome to Thank the podcast. You.
0: Thank you. It's my pleasure. It's and always always fun to talk to you Carol. Yes. Yeah, it's like, Are you going to tell them that I knew you since you were 10 years old? Well you just did. Of <laughs> so there we go. Of course, of course I was only 10 at the time too. <laughs>
1: Yes, we have a long history. It's just so crazy that how life weaves its way. And here we are both in Austria now, you in Vienna and me in Graz. This is just And Carol, kind of this
0: is the magic of expat life. You just never know the wheel turns and who you're going to end up seeing again.
1: Isn't it crazy? Mm-hmm. Un- Unbelievable. But it is, it's true listeners that yes, Virginia and I have known each other a long time. So I'm excited to have you here today, of course. Um, and it's just awesome that it wound up coming out that, you know, you, one of the things that you told me before I moved was about this organization that you're a member of in Vienna, the AWA, and how vital it was to connect to a group like that when you are moving into a country that's not your Indeed. own. So um, just the fact that now AWA and IWA are partners and we're doing events together and it's just, it's awesome how that kind of has taken shape.
0: It really is. And, you know, it was really great because like I, I was at the beginning of your expat adventure, you know, when you were, you were coming over and asking me questions and it's interesting because I, you know, I got to be like the, ex, the expert, you know, and you, and you get to revisit that. You're like, okay, I've just been living this life for a lot of years and I didn't know it could benefit anybody, but here you go. Yeah. Um, and it's been a joy to watch you embrace it.
1: <laughs> That's so kind of you to say, I'm not sure I've embraced it fully, but I'm working well, I am I have it. to say, if
0: I had come aboard as an expat <laughs> during COVID times, I may not have been so enthusiastic about it, but this you know, is true. I lucked this out. Is true.
1: This is definitely true. Well, Virginia, for our listeners' sake, would you mind just sharing, maybe, I don't know, your 30-second elevator pitch about who you are and um, kind of this expat life that you came into?
0: Right. Okay. Virginia Sheridan, and I'm currently living in Vienna, and this is our uh, sixth expat posting. I guess. Wow, um, really? I was I was born in New Jersey and um, and went to school in Pennsylvania, and but always loved traveling. I mean, I was I was like uh, you know it, whatever it took. I would travel on the wing of an airplane. You know, I had no money, but I still I did crazy things where I like I traveled as an air courier where I gave up my space underneath the my luggage space for uh, documents, and then I just ca- traveled with carry on, which now is a common thing. Of course. Um, and would, you know, get to travel to like Argentina for like $200 or something crazy. Um, And so like, I was always doing crazy things like that. So I'm not surprised I ended up being an expat, but let's see. um, How did I, how did we start? Well, and it started with my, the man who became my husband. Uh, We met each other and almost one of the initial conversations we had was about uh living abroad and studying abroad. It, it just so happened that we were in a class together called travel writing. It was one ah. of these like adult, adult enrichment classes, like, you know, you've already done your degrees, but you, you want to go back and take a fun course, you know. And I was there because like I was course. it was fun. It was really fun. I was there to jump start my journalism career again because um, I'd gone through different variations. And he was there because he was working in a really crazy tech job. And he had just come off of living in Japan for a number of years. And he had all these journals. So he was kind of like, well, what, what can I do with these? And how can I talk about these? So on a break, we were talking to other people, but we heard what each we were more in tune with what each other was saying. And so then we turned around and, and said like, okay, I wanna, we gotta talk more about that. And the very first conversation came up was like about getting a job abroad and, and like, mm. what are you doing to do it? What are you doing to do it? And so our relationship progressed and we made a deal. We said, okay, the first person that gets a job in an, you know, abroad, it, the other person will follow.
1: Oh, wow. And so
0: I was actively looking for jobs in Europe. He was actively looking for jobs in Asia. He got the job first. Okay, (laughs) I kept my promise, but it was only supposed to be a couple of years in Hong Kong. And yeah, 17 years later, we finally (laughs) left uh, Asia and it's taken all this time to finally get to Europe. But here I am.
1: Wow. I never realized that that, well, one, that's a really cool start, like how the conversation Mm -hmm. and what it turned out to be. But I never realized that it's also been six different um, expat moves for you at this point that, you know, through your time with Eric, that this is kind of the direction it's gone. So very, very cool. And I should, you know, not to make you, um, be Webster's dictionary here, but it was interesting. I was having a conversation earlier today with another woman in our IWA group who is not from the States, she's from another country in Europe. And she asked me, what is expat? So I realized like, that's probably an American term. Like that's something maybe that we are more familiar with. W- w- explain, I mean- It you, is, and it's, that- it's
0: actually not so PC anymore. Yeah, um, really? Because ex, expat is short for expatriate, uh, is somebody who is living outside their country, patria being country, right? right. Um, it's not, it, it, In today, you know, we have a lot of flexible borders now, a lot of people who are not living where they were born. Some of those people we call immigrants, some of these people we call refugees, some of those, Mm. you know, I mean, so there's, there's a lot of talk about how like, oh, when it's uh, it's a wealthy white person, it's an expat, but when it's somebody, you know, so um, I don't know what we're calling ourselves these days, uh, but, but essentially, we are living in the land that is not our passport.
1: Okay, so there you go that helps. So, Well, it gives context. Yeah, it does. But I, you know,
0: so I think I came to this expat life a little bit differently than most of the women I've come across in my, my years is because we kind of started out, you know, we both potentially had the job to take us abroad and we both enthusiastically wanted to live abroad. A lot of people I know end up being the husband gets the job, it's a conversation, shall we uproot ourselves? And usually the wife, or obviously it can be the opposite, the working wife and the trailing spouse, or maybe they both have jobs, but generally there's a dog and a pony. You know, one person is, is the lead. Um, and so I feel, I feel very grateful that for us, like it was, it was not something I was ever dragged into, um, okay. you know, And we, we it, enthusiastic, and I think that makes a difference because I think for a lot of people, when they don't adjust well to living in another country, it's because it was never their choice. They just kind of went along with it. So I think that that's like, you know, we'll come around to that eventually, like my advice, but like, you have to embrace it. Like you made that choice.
1: Mm. That's a good point. That's a really good point. I know a lot of women in our groups, of course, like you said, have come from all different experiences, and some have lived in only one other space that's not their home country, and some have lived in multiple. Um, So the experience is always different, I think, also depending on the cultures and the environments that you wind up getting into. So you, Six Run, where have you lived around the world?
0: Well, we started in Hong Kong, um, the year of the handover, actually, from Britain to uh, to China. So it was 1997. And I'll tell you, if you were going to start anywhere, you know, 1997 in Hong Kong, it was like every day was a party. There were really? fireworks. Oh, yeah, because, with the, you know, all this handover stuff was happening, and nobody knew what was going to happen the next day. And it was just like, Things were being built. There, there were celebrations. There were balls. There were like you know, and we were you know had, had just been married, no children, so it was it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, it's a very different place now,
1: sure. but
0: um, but so yeah, so that was our first place, and um, we so we we like to say that you know we left with uh, you know a, a very small amount of luggage. We hardly had anything, and we had this apartment so big that we actually put things diagonally to make it seem like it took up space. But by the time we left Hong Kong, we'd acquired, you know, two children, plus all the accoutrements. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, both, so the,
1: both your kids were born in Hong Kong. I thought one born was born in, in Hong Kong, and the other was born somewhere they else. They were
0: but, both okay. born in Hong Kong. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So we, le- we left with the souvenir, two, two children. <laughs> um, and then we went to Japan for, so, so six years in Hong Kong, then 2003, Japan for four years. And then um, from there to San San Francisco, from there to Singapore for six years. And then, so that was like, you know, I guess between from starting with Eric and I, that's about 17 years altogether. Um, And then we had the opportunity to go back to the States for a little while. And at that point, the girls had never lived in the land of their passport. And for a variety of reasons, we thought it made sense, but it was only supposed to be for two years. In fact, Hmm. it was pitched as such a short term thing that I convinced my teaching job in uh, Singapore that I could teach remotely for a year and then I would come back. (laughs) So, yeah, (laughs) they they took the bait for the first year. And then after (laughs) that, they're like, no, we actually do need you to be in the country. so yeah, five years in San Francisco, and that was like a foreign country for us. I'm from the East Coast, so wow. uh, you know, uh, it was it was a whole. And especially after living in Asia for so long, you know, uh, it was people were so friendly. It was frightening. <laughs> you know? Like you'd be standing in line at Starbucks, and people were like, you know, so how about you like up, what 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 <laughs> strike up a conversation. Because you just get used to, especially when you're, you're in Asia, and if you're not very fluent in Asian languages, you know, you get used to having noise happen all around you, and you don't have to participate, you know, so it's weird when people can actually hear you and understand you, you know, that was yeah. shocking, um, and then, and then we had the opportunity to come out again, so then we came uh, to Vienna in 2018.
1: Wow, that's and so we are. It, through all so maybe of that's only moves,
0: one, two, three, four, five it's maybe, maybe it's only five. Oh
1: well yeah. either way that's still anyway. that that's quite a bit and certainly different cultures obviously you know especially yep. i would imagine well, i shouldn't assume but i would imagine that asian cultures although asian culture can be defined as a a big umbrella there are still Mm -hmm. very very different cultures within asia and certainly between hong kong and singapore and japan um that's pretty Mm -hmm. fascinating and then of course to go from that back to the states holy cow (laughs) now (laughs) if it
0: it was and you turn you tend to gravitate though towards people who have lived abroad you know you're and You know, and and my kids, because they had looked out their entire life and seen Asian faces. So it was very interesting to see when they got into school, they looked for Asian kids to be friends with. I mean, they had no idea. Wow. (laughs) and my daughter my second born is was very blonde when she was little and so she was like a princess right like she was in in japan a blonde haired child people used to come up and take pictures with her so then then when we we come back to the states and she's in california and she realized how common it was to be blonde especially (laughs) in california boy it rocked her world
1: yeah, there's a culture shock for you. Yeah, that was that was a big culture shock. <laughs> reverse reverse culture shock in that yes, way. Yes, indeed. What I'm curious with respect, so was this all still? Your husband still worked with the same company that moved him in all these different directions. Same
0: industry. I mean, he okay. works in the tech. He worked in the tech industry at the time. He was bringing tech companies to Asia, and so like as as is very typical in tech company, like it started out as one name was swallowed by another company, became another, and then there were some sure. lateral changes and things like that. So yeah, sure.
1: So as you moved around and you mm-hmm. found yourself you mentioned a teaching job in Singapore so mm-hmm. tell tell us a little bit about how you connected how you got engaged in the communities where you were living and you know 6 years in Hindsight, sure, six years is a decent amount of time, but obviously that's also probably like a spurt or a blip on the map in some cases when you're moving from different countries to different countries. How did you find yourself getting adjusted and getting connected within the communities where you were moving to?
0: Yeah, well, you know, you find out quickly there's always little organizations, right? So oddly enough, like that, uh, I was first a part of the American Women's Association in Hong Kong. But it was a very different group, you know, and it it almost prevented me from moving to this group uh, because my my experience with the AWA Hong Kong at that time was awful. It was it was really a bunch of of women who were complaining about what wasn't available in Hong Kong for them. I mean, I distinctly remember there was like there were women were going and I can't buy Dixie cups anywhere. And I was thinking, what the heck is a Dixie cup? And why do I want one? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it was, you know, and they don't speak English well and all this kind of stuff. So it was, that was not at all my what I wanted. And, you know, I looked across the circle where we were talking, there was this other um, person my age was looking at me going, like rolling her eyes. And we were just like, sim- we, we said to each other, like, let's get out of here, you know? And she's still to this day, my friend.
1: Oh, like we, so went cool. through,
0: we went through having our babies together and we went, you know, so it's, you bond in the most interesting ways and you find friends in the most interesting places. I, um, I joined another organization and uh, of uh, women professionals. And somebody, one of the people had gotten up and said, you know, hey, we're a magazine, we're always looking for people or no, I think it was the other way around I got up and I said I'm just I'm new in town I'm, this is what I'm looking for, you know appreciate anybody who can help, and then at the break, this woman came and said like I'm, we're on a magazine I would love to talk to you, so it was like wow that was easy. That was quick. (laughs) And then they became, you know, we were an English language magazine in a group of Chinese language magazines. So we were kind of like the the unicorns, right? And so we, we became a very, very tight knit group and they're still friends with me to this day um and then of course when you have children that Mm. drives your social group right so when I was you know pregnant it was all the you know getting together with other mothers and learning how to breathe and then when the kids came out then it was all, all the baby play groups and things like that so there was always um It was always that, and then I always worked in some way. Like, so before the kids, I worked for the um, South China Morning Post. It was a a newspaper and I also worked for the magazine that the woman had approached me about. And um, so, yeah, there was always, in each place, there was always something that would come up. You know, I would say, while the kids were young, they were the drivers of the social group, but also in some of these like um, more traditional expatty places, you know, they were old time people used to come in and had their clubs and things like that, that you would have a social club you would go to, you know, sure. so there was an American club in Hong Kong. And then there was the, um, in Japan, there was the, the Kobe club that Kobe was the area we lived in. And, you know, these, again, were places, you know, you would join the committee, you'd help run activities. And so I, w- it was never hard to find connections and friends. And like I said, you move a couple of times and all of a sudden you start seeing people again. (laughs) Really? Mm -hmm. That's
1: fascinating. And did you, you know, you said you worked in different positions and things like that when Mm -hmm. you were living abroad. Did you find it hard to find work? Did you find that difficult to get a job?
0: I think if you were looking for full-time work uh, of a certain caliber, that could be challenging. I think for me, I was pretty willing to take on project work and I didn't, uh, you know, I was, I was very fortunate we didn't have to rely on my salary and I wasn't, um, you know, I wanted to remain flexible. So um, I, I I was, it's a lot, let's put it this way, it's a lot easier to get a job when you're not fussy about your salary or your hours and things like that. So when I couldn't find a job, I would make a job for myself, you know, so like I did, um, uh, for, I ran children's groups when, and I I did some taught English. I, you know, I did freelance writing, um, and you, and you meet people in these circles, right? When I was in Japan, um, I had a friend of mine who was a doctor and her, her, um, husband worked for a pharmaceutical company and they were looking for a journalist. And so I did some Hmm. project work with them, um, which was really cool. And, um, so in, in in Singapore, I uh, I took on some volunteer work, being a uh, a guide at the Asian Civilizations Museum, and really enjoyed uh, training and and teaching uh, people how to be guides, but also working on children's tours, and that led me to think, you know, let me do some substitute teaching, and I did that, and I liked it, and then I thought, well, I'm going to go back and get my master's in teaching, and then that's how I ended up working as a teacher in Singapore. Wow. Um, for journalism, which was interesting. It was a nice connection. So, you know, I think if I think if I would have had a very rigid career path, it might have been very difficult to move forward. But because I was kind of willing to ebb and flow, I I was never bored.
1: It made it, yeah, made it mm-hmm. a little bit more accessible. Yeah. So when you were moving to these different parts of the world and experiencing these different cultures, did you ever feel like you know a lot of what you've described you know you were teaching english and you were connecting with some of these groups and i appreciate i agree with you i i don't want to be involved in a group where you all you're doing is just complaining about what you don't have from home mm. or what you know that, that and again i can also appreciate that i Trust me, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, yes, folks, I do complain about what I don't have here in Austria. <laughs> I have had my fair share of venting moments of those, you know, situations.
0: We're human. That's allowed.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's that's natural. Right. But at the hey. same time, I also acknowledge that there is an element of acceptance that has to occur mm-hmm. and embracing mm-hmm. what you said, you know, embracing the the life that you're in. And um did you ever feel fully connected to the community, not just like the English speaking community, but perhaps the the Asian communities where you were living? Did you feel that you were able to obviously language being a barrier, of course, um, mm-hmm. but did you feel I don't know how best to put that? I don't know how best to word that, but just
0: I think I know where you're going with this. Belonging. So what you find happens, um, you know, it. it we like to make it like a, a, a local versus expat kind of thing. But the truth is that, you know, people are always self-selecting friendships based on shared experiences, right? And mm-hmm. what makes it hard to, I'm going to say, break into a local, I don't like that word, but I mean, you know, community is that it's hard with the language barrier to figure out what your shared experiences are. But what you find is that you can very easily connect with people from uh, that country or region who have traveled abroad or who have english language right so when i ran and when i was in japan and i ran ran this um children's play group it was an international children's play group and there were lots of japanese mothers and their children so through them their desire to speak english and have their children speak english I had a connection to people who, and, and learned you know, new customs and inside places to go and cooking and things like that. Rich experiences I would never otherwise had, but that's different from walking down the street and meeting a stranger. And But in practical terms, that didn't happen in California with other English speakers too, right? So you always need an entree and, and unless your language skills are amazing, it's going to be like that. people who have lived abroad, the same happens for me here too. You know, like the the Austrians who have lived someplace else have been my most natural entree. You know, the, sure. the people who are more interested, let's say, in, in, in striking up a friendship. Um, and in Singapore, yeah, the same. The same. I would say in every place there was some kind of uh, group I was connected to, uh, or or a part of. Like you know, maybe it was a theater group, and there happened to be people that were, you know, uh, from that country who were part of the, the or city that were part of that theater group and, but their, their English skills had to be good enough. And so we were able to communicate. Sure. Right. Sure.
1: That so, makes
0: sense. Yeah. But you do have to work on that part of it, right. It's very easy, especially if you arrive as a family to right. keep in the bubble, right. You know, and we, we do gravitate towards what's easy, you know, uh, it, it, but the, the payoff is when you really stretch a bit and, yeah. and, you know, you find uh, but it does help if you have some language <laughs> of
1: course I, I won't won't discredit that at all did you ever learn that any Twinnish. of the Asian languages when you oh were man in let country? me see
0: I made a I definitely made a run at, <laughs> okay. you know but, uh, but you know in Hong Kong it was a British colony right so British was widely spoken you know, so we we learned Cantonese enough to get to get by um, and in Japan, uh, yes, again, I ran, I made a run at Japanese. I had young kids so that, that was a little distracting. Um, but, uh, uh, and also the, the same thing that often happens here is that you're very enthusiastic to try to speak that language, but the other people really want to practice English. English. So you have to <laughs> strike <And>, the balance. <laughs> um, and in, um, in Singapore, English is the, the main language, but you, you might not recognize it as English. Um, but it it is uh, English there. And then, you know, I guess maybe the place where it was the hardest with language was California. You're that kidding was, me. I'm just kidding you. <laughs>
1: I really had a moment. I was like, wait a minute, what? Come on. Actually though,
0: where I, I realized that I was like, I didn't mean to, but I ended up being um, experiencing uh, or, or perpetrating some like, I, I'm gonna say racism, but that's not the right idea. You know, when I was in Asia, if somebody looked Japanese, they were from Japan. Sure. Right? That was a natural assumption, right? So you would speak to them and say what you could in Japanese. I came back to California and I forgot that's you know, the United States is a very multi culty country, and a lot of people yep. have lived for several generations, and just because they look Japanese doesn't mean, doesn't mean they, they know a lick of Japanese, so right. there were a couple of times that I was um, too forward in, in, uh, in saying something in Japanese, and the person was like, I don't speak any Japanese, you know, yep. and so it was, it was, hum- I, I had to remember my place and where I was, and like, and you realize sometimes this way you know, we as human beings so want to connect and you've got this special experience you've had that most people you meet can't connect with. So you see this other person, you think they connect with you. And um, and you can sometimes be insulting for somebody when you do that, right? Yeah. It's no different than, you know, when you're abroad and you're just trying to fit in and then somebody comes up into you and you're like, you know, you're a president and, you know, whatever. They start acting like you're the representative for your country. America. Like, Dude, yeah. I haven't lived there for a lot of time. I don't know what's going on.
1: Right, so, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no it's interesting. I I've had, you know, it's it's so comical because you know, my or my family origins, my ancestors come from both Ireland and Italian and I have much more of an Italian look. I favor my father's Italian side. What has been most eye-opening here is when I've gone to places and I have expressed that hey, my German is not so great. I don't you know, do you speak something else or I can't speak a whole lot of German people have made the assumption I'm either Italian or Spanish. They don't instant instinctively think American, which is kind of mm-hmm. funny. So mm-hmm. I've also often been said you know, or asked like, oh, I, I don't speak Italian. And I'm like, well, neither do I. So <laughs> do you speak English? And they're like, oh yeah. So, okay, great. That works much better then. So yeah, you're right. These, these assumptions, I think it's probably growing that way all over the world, not just in America, but all over the world, you have people who multicultural families and where one parent might be from one country and another from another country and you have mixed race mixed uh, Mm -hmm. cultures and and yeah you can't assume that you know where uh, folks are from so that's a really good point.
0: It is one of the good lessons that you learn when you're traveling abroad and living abroad, like to be mindful of that, you know, and another thing we, my kids grew up understanding that not everybody is one religion, right? Especially when you Mm. grow up in Asia, some people have no religion, some people are Buddhist, some people are Hindu, right? Right. And, you know, we learned to have a respect for all kinds of religions. And then I came back to California and there's like, you know, those large tracts of the state are very Christian. And, and like, and and there's nothing wrong with that. Like there's no. nothing wrong with you know each religion has a but the exclusivity of it and the, on the non-understanding that there are other belief systems and you have to right. kind of allow for the other belief systems. All so of
1: them. yeah, yeah, I agree, totally agree. So I'm curious, you've lived all over these places. What is something that you have missed about your? You, origin, you know, your passport, your your passport country, what what is something that you have missed, or is perhaps that maybe not something maybe you don't miss anything from
0: quote yeah homes. I mean it, it's uh, people has asked this a lot, and I, I know early on we met people who used to like uh, go back to their home country with an empty suitcase and fill it you know, and I have to say that they're really, I think these days when we go, it's usually picking up a delivery, like something we had delivered to my mom's house in, because we couldn't get it delivered here, Mm -hmm. you know, um, like usually Christmas present or some piece of clothing that we couldn't get, but there's no desperate, desperate. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I mean, even from the very beginning, I, and, uh, you know there maybe there'd be a couple of like ingredients i mean for a while here it was like i'd have people bring a can of pumpkin pie filling if they were going to come and then <laughs> until i realized Duh, i can make that myself we have <laughs> kirbis everywhere right like that's not hard um so yeah i wouldn't say that there's anything i, I pine for when i go home i like to eat very good um sushi mm. you know being that we're so landlocked here we don't get uh, get it get it so much um But yeah, you know, I think over the years, we've learned to make the dishes we like the most. Mm -hmm. And we've also just sort of adapted ourselves to the local economy, right? The local climate. Um, And, you know, when we were, and, and you, you, it's your frame of reference, right? Um, Like when we were in Singapore, it's an island and everything has to be brought in almost, right? So you'd get like one kind of tomato and we had that tomato, we ate that tomato, we never thought about that. And then we moved to California, which is like the garden country, right? And there were like multiple kinds in those supermarkets. I remember the first time I tasted a California tomato after having lived in Singapore for six years, I was like, what was I eating? Because if that's (laughs) called a tomato and this is called a tomato, it's not even on the same page. (laughs) Oh, wow. But all that stuff's in retrospect. And I had a lot of reverse kind of um, missing. Like I miss the simplicity of Asian shopping. You know, like in Japan, you'd have the cereal aisle was, it wasn't an aisle. It was like a a, a mini shelf. You know, you had like three choices of cereal. (laughs) That that was was it. it. I had, I could tell you how many times I'd come jet lagged, you know, into the the United States supermarket and melt down because I'm like, I can't choose. you know, I just want plain yogurt. Where is the plain yogurt? And there's like 50 different choices, right? There's like so, two
1: shelves and aisles of yogurt these days. In,
0: indeed. So it's maybe insane. on that odd, odd duck, I don't have like, I, you know, have never been into salad dressings. You know, I'm like, you know, I, I'm just fine. You know, just give, show me what you got and I'll figure something out. So Okay. That's
1: pretty fair. Know. Is there, a spot i mean so far that you have really enjoyed living in the most
0: are you gonna ask me to choose between my favorite children (laughs) i can't do that no not your favorite of course course i'm gonna say vienna (laughs) (laughs) well and
1: even if it even if it wasn't vienna what i mean you, like you said you started out in asia a lot of asian mm-hmm. countries there's probably some serious differences between these asian countries there
0: and is South. and i'm getting i'm this is going to sound like such a, uh, a trying to be everybody to everything kind of answer but it, it is so true every place made sense at the time that we were there and every place has its own Memory and you can't go forward or backwards, right? So, like in Hong Kong, you know that would like our first experience as a new couple, you know, living, you know, and and discovering what it was like to live internationally, and um, and we had our children there. That's always going to have a special place in my heart, right? And sure. Japan, you know, the um, the the culture that was there, like really like culture shock and um, and, and 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 a monoculture, right? Wow. Like so, yeah. So like. Where where you not being Japanese was a very obvious thing. Sure. Um, and learning about that and, and watching my children grow up. And, and we had uh, the unique challenge of dealing with my my oldest daughter um, had autism. And we, um, this is gonna dial back to another question, I'm sure, but you know, we we mindfully moved to Japan knowing that and had to sort of deal with that. And it worked out beautifully in the end. But that that will always be a special thing like that was like a we weathered that storm together and, you know, and enjoyed this cultural thing and uh, together and um, yeah and and working in Singapore and the kids going to school in Singapore and really developing a lot of friends there and living in the um, living near the equator so that every day was pretty much the same you know the sun comes up at seven it sets (laughs) at seven you're in a bathing suit 365 days a year um so all of them had their um their special you know it it, it was well suited for each time of our lives you know and I and I I don't know if that's just a a protective skill we have where we just like we just we just make it so you know this is this is what the experience is going to be I mean I um, so yeah, yeah I, I couldn't I couldn't really choose for you like I wouldn't eliminate any of them I don't think I could say one was more favorite than the other, you know, even the places we lived we lived in some really stunning fun places. Um, in terms of location in terms of the houses that we were living in, and uh, yeah, I wouldn't even friends even groups of friends I mean I feel I feel like I've we've managed to rescue friends from each location, you know, and I think, um, you know, we all had yeah, it's hard to choose. Sorry. I won't. No, 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 no.
1: You know, it's, even if it is a protective thing, even if it is something that we do to just give ourselves a positive outlook on our past experiences, I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Because if you can really acknowledge that every place that you've lived and every experience that you've had was just another step along the journey, I think that's important. And I think especially for people who are Not living in their home countries for whatever reasons that may be, whether it's work or a spouse or children or something else entirely different or to your point, immigration, refugees, asylum seekers, whatever it might be um recognizing this as you know this is a stopping point on your journey and it doesn't mean that it has to be the best or the worst but that each experience has what it has to offer and we should welcome that and um yeah be open to what that provides and, uh, regardless if that's a protection method I do think that's a really great way to look at it
0: mm-hmm. so I think so I think so and I think um boy, it certainly has changed over the years. I will tell you that. Like when, when we first went to Hong Kong, it was like making an international phone call was a huge, big deal, right? Wasn't fact, it we expensive said, too? It was. We set up like a, a Google voice. We set up some special voice thing at the time. Like nobody knew how to do this and we would get all this free calling. But the funny part was like, no matter what we told our relatives, they always like, you know, long distance, like the older people were always like long distance, so expensive. So even when it got less expensive, they always like kept really short phone calls because, <laughs> they thought it was so expensive so, yeah I mean like like it has gotten so much easier over time like the, f- oh, yeah. know, the fact the fact that you can book your own flights on 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 the internet you know you don't have to go through a trap find a travel agency in a foreign country or anything like that I didn't even um, think about
1: that sure Phones
0: phone shipping mail is yep. you know like um in, in all these expediter um things even things like you know the first videos we took when we were there were, were videos, you with this like actual video a, camera oh yeah yeah <laughs> and ours was smaller than most right but you know <sighs> we, we, we recently got rid of it you know we held on to it for a long time because we had no other way to play the tapes you know sure <laughs> that we had and I remember we used to, you know, we were so excited. We were like, you know, like showing everybody like, look, look at the harbor. Look at, the, oh, this is, look at, here's a bill in another language we can't understand. Isn't this fun? And like, it was all new for us, right? And then we'd get these tapes and we'd edit them down and we'd send these big, big visa VHS tapes to them. <laughs> and and now it's like, it's, my kids don't, can't even remember. It's like now, you know, you take, you take a picture, you, you have a conversation with somebody and boom, you send it a second later and it's done. Done. You know, I remember the first time we realized that technology was changing in a whack way. We were in Dubai uh, on a a trip we had taken into the like sand dunes and it, you know, Eric was like ahead of his time with all the technology and we were able to make a phone call from the top of a sand dune to his mom. And we were just like, wow, look at us. are we like it's amazing you know <laughs> um so yeah ah. the, tech, the technology and even like um yeah i mean like the comp- computers and the things like you know, movies Like we used to have to, we used to have to stock all of our DVDs or, you know, or, and um, VHSs and whatnot whatnot, and carry them with us. I was going to say, you couldn't have any English speaking movies in Japan and it was a different, um, different zone. And now with streaming, like who even keeps that stuff anymore, you know? Wow. So yeah, it's quite different.
1: Oh, my goodness, I can imagine it's, um, you know, with technology and I, my goodness, even over Zoom and just in the pandemic oh, alone, yeah. even the technology that's come up through the pandemic, being able to mobilize the workforce in a remote way has already just in two years streamed us way into the stratosphere of how technology is helping people
0: uh, across Yeah, it doesn't, make the distances seem so far away, right? I mean, we have a yeah. daughter that's going to school in Scotland. And, you know, it would have been unheard of for my parents to send me abroad and not, not see me for like, you know, six months, but it doesn't seem so far away because she's there on camera, you know, on my phone anytime, right. you know, and so quick,
1: quick phone call. Yeah. And yeah. It makes it so
0: much easier. Yeah. indeed,
1: wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, I want to um, try to bring this somewhat to a close a little bit, but there's oh gosh, there's so many more questions I could ask and so many more things <laughs> I want to know. We'll have to do another part, you know, another conversation. Well, you and I will catch up on our own as well. But I- I'm really curious if you could share tips and advice, suggestions, things like that, anything along those lines. Um, that would be helpful for our listeners people who maybe this might be their first time living Mm -hmm. in like myself living in a country that's not my home country or Mm -hmm. maybe it's their eighth time and maybe they're still trying to figure it out um but just things that you have found that have worked for you and what you have discovered about yourself along this journey of kind of living in all these different parts of the world
0: Mm -hmm. um i guess first i would say to get in your head that this is not there you know, it's, It's. It's. you know, make your mind up that you're. if you've decided to come, you know, that you're there and you've got to stop from the get-go to compare, right? You know, this is, and, and if you put aside comparison, if you're not always like, you know, well, we don't do this at home or, you know, we, this is so much easier or we can find this back home. If you put all that aside and be willing to look at what is here and be willing, you will be a much happier person, you know? So I, I think if you take the struggle out, uh, um, and that's not to say you can't have your moments of of like, oh my God, where would I sure. buy this? I have no idea. But um, I think, uh, you know, to just, just I, I'm here, I'm not there, I'm not going to compare. So don't compare would be my number one thing. Um, and um, create a special space for yourself. Mm-hmm. We're all going to have those moments where we're feeling like a stranger in a strange land, and we're not connecting and stuff like that. But whatever you bring from home, like create in your expat home like that place you could go to that will just bring you to your happy space you know so Mm. you know for me it's a reading corner you know and um and and i've got some family pictures there and like you know if i'm feeling discombobulated that's the one place and there's certain pieces of music that do that for me as well um certain people i can talk to that have known me in my various iterations in various countries that can kind of ground me again so find your happy space, the people that can bring you back to things. And then the other thing I would say is that, especially if it's just not, um, if you're just at the beginning of your journey and you think it's gonna last more than a year or something like that, develop a skill or or tap into an interest that um, that will help you find other people. So, uh, or, or develop a new interest. Like for example, there's um, uh, English speaking improv theater here in mm-hmm. Vienna. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that is an excellent way to meet new people. You know, there are networking groups like we know the IWA and the AWA. But there's a lot of other um, kinds of groups out there. And, and, you know, like maybe even joining a gym in Mm. your in in the language of your country. But you you know, it'll help you grow. So, you know, find some kind of interest or activity that you can bring to the table and you can share with other people. That'll be an instant connector. And then also exploring, you know, um, I think a lot of times people fall into the trap that you know, like, oh my gosh, this is great. We're in Europe. We're going to travel to all these European countries, but don't forget the country that you're in. Um, and it helps if you connect with people that if you don't have a car, connect with somebody with a car. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been lucky to have friends with cars that want to go places, and that's you, and, and, you know. And I, I don't know what I, I bring to the table. I don't know. I, I'll pack a lunch, you know. But perfect, um, it, you know, and and that because you there's so much beauty in the places that we live, right? Um, you know, and and that will be the things that also make you happy that you're in that experience. I mean, it's, it's, it's really easy when you're, you're at the spar and you can't pack your groceries fast enough to hate being here. Right. To be like, why do they do this? I I wish I had blah, 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 (laughs) but I had a, you know, a friend of mine took me up to, um, rocks to a mountain and on a snowy, sunny, a sunny day with snow on the ground. This beautiful mountain, the quintessential Austrian experience, you know, going to a Hutta and having some Jaeger tea and, um, and hiking. And it, it just makes you, then you get it. You're like, oh, this is what it is, right? This is, again, my idea of like, you know, be here, do the here, don't try to make it there, you know? Mm. And the more that you let yourself have these experiences rather than trying to recreate your home life in the, the, your new country the more it opens your mind and your heart and, you know, and then you fall in love
1: Yep, with wherever yeah. you are, which
0: with wherever awesome. you are. And that's it. I mean, and actually when it comes down to it, home is not that place you left or wherever you have keys to something or a mortgage home is in your, is here. It's in your heart. Especially mm-hmm. if you're lucky enough to travel with your family as we are, you know, you, we create that home, you know, that my kids have gotten used to, um, we, we we since I guess for 25 years we haven't ever celebrated a Christmas with our family you know, wow. ever since we moved abroad it was just not wasn't the time to travel it was always expensive and really crazy so we've always had a second Christmas with them at a, another time sometimes in July okay <laughs> But so when it was just always the four of us, and very often we traveled over the holidays. And so we couldn't have this rigid idea of what Christmas is. So we would, we had what could Christmas be? And so over the years, we've cre- we've developed new um uh traditions with just the four of us so you know once we we had Christmas in Australia and of course it's the opposite season there it's sure. not snowy or anything dead like of that. summer <laughs> it, it, and uh fly the black fly season too oh, we were, that my. Was um but you know we w- wanted to do something and there were no pine trees to be had so you know we went into the forest and we got like this big twig and so the girls called it the Christmas twig and we had this whole song and they you know we we created ornaments based on what we found and you know we just bring it like a little um kit of like paper and glue and scissors and stuff like that we make our own thing and um I think that's really helped them a lot as they've developed um to not be rigid to to be like okay we can have our traditions, we can have the things that we like to do. And then we can also figure out how to make some version of that wherever we are. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's a day and we can make that day any other day. Um, So, and I think that's, that's never would have happened if we weren't living in various countries and doing things, you know, I mean, I remember one Thanksgiving, we ended up having a turkey sandwich at a Starbucks and (laughs) Las Vegas, <laughs> of all places. That wasn't even a foreign country, but <laughs> yes, that was. Yeah,
1: I was going to say, no, I consider Vegas a foreign country.
0: <laughs> it is pretty foreign.
1: Yeah. It is a yeah, whole different world. That You want culture shock in the US, go to Vegas. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's true. It's true. So yeah, that's a lot of advice, but. Um, no,
1: I think give, that's and, awesome.
0: And give yourself permission to have a bad day. Like that's mm. okay. It is really okay. If you have way too many of those joined together, you might want to question why you're there, (laughs) you know, but, um, yeah. And reach out, reach out. There's always a listening ear. There's always somebody out there. Yeah,
1: that's for sure. I think it's, um, you know to the extent that you said like you've obviously been living in expat life or i should say uh living in countries that are not your home country for many years now and Mm -hmm. for someone like myself this is the first time and i'm much older i've spent a majority of my young adult life and my life before um moving to austria in the same culture in East Coast, you know, United States, Northeast Coast, and making these adjustments later in life when I have gotten probably, and I would like to consider myself a pretty open person just based on the type of life experiences that I've had, travel Mm -hmm. that I've done, work that I've done. Um, I have also recognized that in this move, in this transition here, I am pretty rigid and I have grown up in that space that created that rigidity for me and I I have to recognize that um, that's not my life going forward. And I have to, if I'm going to embrace now my intercultural marriage, my intercultural life, then I have to release some of those borders and those uh, rigid ways that I was so accustomed to for so long. So it's going to be a little bit probably harder and take a little longer for me because I haven't been living that life for as long, but it's something that, I I think is also important and and necessary for people who, yeah, like myself later on in life are making this kind of transition and want this, you know, because I Mm -hmm. chose, I chose to be with the man I am and I chose to be here with him. So um yeah there's an acceptance and an embracing that has it's
0: to a it's it. a very good point i mean it, it makes a difference at the time of, of your life that you're coming to this and also what you're what you're leaving behind right sure i mean some people come out late much much later in their career or they're retiring and that's a very different place to be right than it is um you know we were like newly married and right you know like like yeah we just went from place to place i think for us the hard part now is where do we go after all is said and done because, you know, we've been so long living away from whatever was once home and now nobody actually lives where we all used to live. So we don't really know where to call home. So I think sometimes there's something positive to that is that there's the flexibility, but there's also something like it's a loss of rootedness, like a loss of, of connection. But yeah, I think, I think you have to give yourself permission like that. It, that is a, a journey when it's later in life. And, and you know, you're giving up um, a lot. You know, like a career and 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 all that those established things you have and the tight tight uh, connections you have with your family. Um, that's really tricky. And the other part that's I think the toughest part about being an expat or living away from your home country is when things go wrong. your family Mm. you know i've had um hard we've had hard decisions over the years you know we we had just moved to um hong kong there were the there were handover was going to happen we had no idea what was going to happen vis-a-vis ability to travel and my grandmother died so and then at the time and also airfares were not you know were very expensive in the beginning right so i had to decide what to you know what to do and in the end i didn't go back and i think you know occasionally i think about that about like maybe i should have gone Back with that kind of thing, and the same thing when um, my father died, I happened to be home in the United States. But then, um, you know, everything was taking us to Japan, and we were also grappling with a, a, a daughter on the spectrum. And you know, it's like, should should we have stayed? Um, mm. Should we have? So you know, you do. You go through these quandaries, and even even now, I think a lot of you know you're you're not quite there yet. But I'm of the age; uh, my peers are all like, you know, our, our parents are needing more care. Um, sure. and this is where living, this is why it's a young person's game, living, living abroad. <laughs> kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, and, and, I, I agree. I mean, I don't, and I don't make mean at all to trivialize anybody else's journey. I no, mean, I think not. for me, my circumstances are very specific and, um, and, and my personality is such that like, you could throw me pretty much anywhere for a few years. I could just and
1: you'd meet out, people. Right? Yep.
0: Yeah. That's just, that's, I, I never shut up, but, um, <laughs> but, it, but it is, you know, some people do not Come willingly, it, it's yeah. not, or or they're leaving something very, very dear to them behind. And, you know, we have to acknowledge that, that this is a, a different kind of journey for everybody. And I love what you're doing with this Carol, what you and Andrea are doing with this podcast, because I think it, you know, it gives people permission to have their own story mm-hmm. and helps them realize there are so many stories. I think sometimes people that people really sit in sadness thinking everybody else seems to be doing this. Why can't I do it? And, um, I think it's, it's that we tell our stories that we share our stories and that we give each other space, um, and acceptance is, is some of the most important work we can do as women abroad, um, to reach back and help each other. If we've been, if we've managed to get through a, a rough spot really well, or, and to recognize who might need a little bit of, a bit help. help so yeah
1: mm-hmm. yeah no that's uh, that's a ah uh, that hits home yeah for sure wow ah uh, virginia we can keep talking for hours <laughs> oh we can. we can
0: i hope people could understand us i think we're two of the fastest talkers that's <laughs> true we are pretty city. quick
1: uh we are pretty quick with our english so sorry and again oh. also obviously i'm sure you could tell because We've known each other for so long, Mm -hmm. it's just easy for us to fall into conversation as well. But um, yeah, no, I think at the very, at the very baseline of it all, though, I, your experiences and the way that you've been able to shape and form a life living in so many different countries that are not your home country and acknowledging what you bring to the table in each of those spaces and accepting and embracing what is brought to you uh is is something i think we can all learn from and all of us can embrace uh you know new ways of looking at our experiences and of course my gosh a whole nother episode could be talked about how we've tweaked in the last two years because of the impact of the pandemic and and what that's done for people who are not living in their home countries but at Mm. the again at the core of it all it really is about that connection and finding um the home within yourself and 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 just yeah being willing to accept bad days every now and again take some reflection time and uh put yourself out there be willing to put yourself out there to to meet others and to draw connection from similarities and unique differences through telling of your stories, which I think is really powerful. So thank you so, so much for sharing your story, your journey, all of the wealth and wisdom that you've gathered over the years from this experience. And uh, I know our listeners are going to love it. And I look forward to having you back again at some point.
0: So yeah. Oh, pleasure. Thank you. It's an honor. Thank you very much for, for caring to listen.
1: Of course, of course. So listeners, as you know, at at the IWA, we always have things happening, of course, also at our sister partnership uh, organization, the AWA in Vienna. We are hardcore working on major awesome events that are coming up in february of course this month and in march so keep glued to our websites Iwagratz.org check out the events calendar and hopefully we will see you around town so until next time enjoy gratz bis später and cheers